0: okay here we go now put it in reverse got it now forward okay first now turn the wheel all right turn the wheel no reverse Left reverse right. slow the no. out! go kill it kill it kill the motor.
1: there's a reason they say curse like a sailor i reverse many reasons progressives boat insurance has you covered quote today at progressive.com progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates
0: well we're docked now
2: Welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show. It has been a while, but I am your host, Keith Smith, and I'm joined by my co-host, Pete Toll. Pete, how are you this
0: evening? Oh, Doing great, Keith. Ready to talk about this wild kind of uh, off-season of of NBA stuff. It's been a while since we've actually been on together. You know, life gets in the way a little (laughs) bit, and and, uh, so ready to get back into it.
2: Yeah, it's uh, been been a while is an understatement. We uh, we had to take a break. We've all got a uh, you know, Pete uh con and myself conorrell if you remember Carn's our, our producer he's not going to join us on this episode but he will be putting it all together but he he will be back on air with us soon but you know none of the three of us does this full-time we've all got other full-time jobs we pete and i both have families con's a little young for that so he's not he's not there just yet uh with the family but but pete's got a little guy at home i have a daughter who keeps me hopping we uh, i think You know, Pete, myself and con i I believe we had all just kind of started into new jobs and Mm -hmm. careers so it was uh, one of those things where unfortunately the podcast had to take a break but but we're back now we're ready to get back at it and and we're going to deliver to you guys everything you come to this show for so we're going to get in deep on the rosters and really go long on a lot of the guys that are kind of the underserved out there so we'll talk about all the transactions that went on how we're going to do this is we're going to go team by team we kind of reached out to people so and thank you very much for everyone who you know has reached out over the last few months or you know when we said we were coming back to say you know kind words about us coming back that was really exciting you know p you saw some of those too and that mm-hmm. you know that, that makes us feel good so absolutely you know yeah so you know and and we asked people you know well, what teams are you interested in and uh you know whether it be between twitter or email or you know, other avenues people kind of said all of them <laughs> which right. is is all right with us so we're, we're good with that so so we're just going to make it easy on ourselves as far as tracking we're just going to go alphabetical through the league we'll start with the atlanta hawks tonight and like i said we will go through every transaction that's happened to date including a couple that happened today we're recording this on wednesday july 25th and the hawks made a, made a couple moves official today and then made a couple other uh agreed to signings and all that but we will cover all of them as we get into it so if uh, if you're interested in the end-of-roster guys and the two-way guys and, and all that. This is definitely the show for you because we're going to talk a lot about that. But we'll also hit on the big stuff and the big transactions too and kind of give our thoughts. So just to give everybody an idea of what to expect, obviously we'll talk all the transactions. Then we're going to kind of get into uh, right around 10 questions or so for the Hawks and uh, just kind of what what are we thinking on different things that are kind of floating around this team. And then we'll close with uh, Pete and I's thoughts on are they you know, are they up are they down are they neutral it's kind of to last year but it's it's more of our kind of free form of what do we think about what they did this summer we, we we're we in agreement we don't like doing grades we don't like doing those kind of things they don't make a lot of sense but it's more of our opportunity to say that so so if you're in on that then we are ready to go pete you ready to go and talk a little basketball once again oh yeah absolutely let's get it all right Let's do it, yeah. So let's start off with the Atlanta Hawks. These are the players that they have added since the end of last season when we saw them on the court last. So Justin Anderson, he was part of that big Carmelo Anthony trade, which we'll definitely talk about in a little bit. And then just today, a couple of signings, Vince Carter. Uh, yes, that, Vince Carter. Um, they added him. And then Daniel Hamilton, who is a uh, guy who was with the Oklahoma City Thunder last year. And then at the NBA draft, they added Trey Young Kevin Herter and Omari Spellman. And then in another trade, Jeremy Lynn was brought in. So a couple of veterans coming in here to the Hawks. And then they signed Alex Len, uh very recently, or agree, agreed to sign Alex Lynn at least. He'll join the team. And then a couple of two way guys, Jalen Adams and Alex Poitras, they're going to fill the Hawks' two-way spots this year. And then, just so everybody is clear, they did add Carmelo Anthony, and I guess he's technically a Hawk right now, but mm-hmm. that's not going to last very long. He, he will be uh, chipped out of town here shortly. Now, on the subtraction side, who did the Hawks lose? Tyler Cavanaugh from the end of last season. They actually waived him in May. He had a very early guarantee date, which was a little odd. Uh, you don't usually see those trigger until Yeah, really mid to late June is the earliest, but he had one in May and he was let go. Antonius Cleveland was let go. He was actually claimed, and we'll talk about that a little later. Then some free agent guys who have moved on, Malcolm Delaney, Damian Lee. Uh, Then they lost Jalen Morris. They waived him, waived another guard, Isaiah Taylor. Mike Muscala and Dennis Schroeder were also traded as part of that Carmelo Anthony trade uh, out and then their two two-way players from last year Josh Majette and Andrew White have both moved on to other destinations so that kind of wraps it up for you there with the Hawks there they're ins and outs and now now we're going to get into it and actually talk the actual transactions and Pete I think the place that makes the most sense is let's kind of start from the the, almost the beginning. The beginning would be Tyler Cavanaugh, but there's not a lot to be said there. He got waived. Um, you know, so we'll talk about. Uh, you know, we will talk about the big trade at the NBA draft, and that was essentially the parameters of that were Trey Young and a protected 2019 first rounder for Luka Doncic. The draft grades to, to Doncic. So, uh, Pete, when you kind of saw this trade, we heard buzz early in the day on draft right. day that. You know, there was something going on, and then it, then it was it had died, and then it, it was all right. It's going to include Kent Bazemore and maybe Wesley Matthews and all these other pieces, and then uh, I can tell you because we were told, you know, specifically at uh at Pro Scout School out in Las Vegas that it kind of came together in what we ended up seeing when the draft was going on and the the Hawks pick was coming up at number three. So they just uh, really cleared up. They drafted Doncic at three. Young was then drafted at five, and then they swapped Young and a protected 2019 first for you know Luka Doncic, who was the third pick. So, Pete, what I was going to ask before I you know rambled off there and on a tangent on you, where like, what what were your thoughts when you first initially saw all right, this is what the Mavs and the Hawks are doing?
0: I was a little perplexed, honestly, because I'm huge on Luka Doncic. I think overall he was the best. Player to draft in the entire draft. I would have taken him if I was Phoenix over DeAndre Ayton, um, personally, but I think, um, moving forward with Trey Young, it kind of fits with Travis Slink because he kind of wants to go the Warriors route of having the shooters. And I know we're going to talk about Kevin Herter, um, you know, a little bit later, but, um, with Trey Young, he's so electric shooting the ball, um, you know, and then, put his passing in there you know he showed flashes in summer league so you know not knowing that going in just looking at his his career at Oklahoma I, I don't know I would have taken Doncic if it was me and and kind of kept him but you know I, I like the upside of Trey Young as well
2: yeah you know I you know Trey Young was a guy who I, I don't get to watch a lot of uh College basketball, as you know, people who follow me know I'm more mainly focused on the NBA. That's where I tend to, you know, spend my time. So I don't have a ton of time to watch college basketball. So when I do, it's the big games. And Trey Young, at least early in the season, was involved in all the big games, and he was a guy who I really liked, you know. And I, it, it was. Early on, right, it was the shooting and the fact that you know everybody compares him to Steph Curry because he, you know, he'll pull from anywhere in the gym and he has got that unlimited range and that kind of quick release to get shots off. But what stood out to me from moment one was his ability as a playmaker. Mm-hmm. You know, that was really I, I stood out. And then getting to see him play out in Las Vegas in person, which was obviously the first time I got to see him. That stood out even more. He, you know, over the course of his four Summer League appearances, he averaged almost seven assists a game. And these were not, one, Summer League's not the environment to pile up assists. Um, But two, these were good, high-level NBA plays. He he has that kind of come off the screen, come you know, go hard towards the hoop, and then throw that hook pass to the opposite corner, to the other mm-hmm. side wing. Um, he knows when to get it and just move it quickly, whether it's a ball reversal and those kind of things. He also, this is something that Nate Duncan. Uh, really pointed out, which I think is really true, is he's really good at drawing those those garbage fouls, you know, where you just kind of go in there and you hang in the air for, for an extra second until you get hit and then you throw something up. And that's something that can help a guy who might s- struggle occasionally with a shot or struggle to get points on the board. Otherwise, if you can get into the paint, 5.8 free throw attempts per game, which is pretty good for a uh, little point guard. So, you know, it was... His playmaking, which stood out to me. So, right. you know, I, I don't know if you've got thoughts on him as a as a playmaker at all uh, or just on
0: him as a scorer. I, th- I think that he can excel in a playmaking role. I think fitting with the offense, he's going to do better than, than what Dennis Schroeder was able to do as far as facilitating. The problem I have – well, I have two problems with, with Trey Young right now. It's his defensive effort. Which that's going to be any rookie, so you can just lump him into the entire rookie class category in the in the defense minus Wendell Carter and and Jaron Jackson maybe, Um, but everybody else you know probably struggling defensively. And the other yeah, not not to cut you off.
2: There's yeah, there's going to be what five six rookies who come in and are passable to if they're not of that five or six, two or three will be actually really good defenders. Exactly. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, go ahead
0: Pete. Um and then the other the other deficiency I think that he really needs to work on and I think we saw it a lot is yes he's able to draw those kind of, you know, hang in the air fouls, but his ability to finish is not there. I mean he's not able to get all the way to the rim and then when he does it's it's either he overthinks it or he's just not big enough to excel at the rim and his size is going to is going to hamper him so he's got to find well he's got to work with lloyd pierce you know and lloyd pierce coming from a development background is going to help find ways creative ways to get him shots off in the nba because the reason he pulled up so far out is nobody's going to be able to technically guard that now when he's closer up he takes a little bit necessarily to get a shot off. He's not Steph Curry-esque. He's not Clay Thompson-esque where you can get the ball off in, you know, a fraction of a second, basically. You know, it's a little bit hesitant because of his size. So it's likely to get blocked or they're going to be able to play up on him. So he's got to find a way to come off the screens, get an extra step to the side, pull up, you know, kind of find crafty ways there. So that's something that I think moving forward that he should you know, look to develop throughout his rookie season, and I temper the expectations that you know. I've obviously living in Atlanta. I have a lot of friends that are Hawks fans that are all like, "Man, Trey Young's going to be rookie of the year." I would mm-hmm. pump the brakes on that.
2: Yeah, you know, and let, let's um, let's say one thing right off the bat here is. It's not fair to compare him to Steph Curry. I mean, gosh, Steph Curry's a two-time MVP, one of the best players in the league. He's a Hall of Famer already in his career, you know, arguably one of the best shooters of all time, if not the best shooter of all time. You know, so, you know, you're you're asking a, what, what's he, you know, 19, 20 years old to be Steph Curry. That's just not fair. So, you know, so I'm with you there, I think, and, and, and um, you know, he Maybe he has the numbers for Rookie of the Year because as we t- as we'll talk about later, the the Hawks traded Dennis Schroeder. And so it's really it's it's his job to go with, with Jeremy Lynn backing him up as a veteran behind him. So he might get the PT to put up numbers, but but it might not always be very pretty. You know, he might be uh you know, might look a little ugly. One thing I do wanna kinda of close the book on, we well, we'll talk a little bit more about the trade and about uh Young and the other rookies is they the pick, protection. So I mentioned it's a protected 2019 first. So it's protected one through five in 2019 and 2020. Then it drops to one through three in 2021 and 2022. And then it goes to un- fully unprotected in 2023. So so if the uh, if, if we're five years out and the Hawks don't have that pick, you know. And not anything to this is not the Dallas Mavericks pick. Uh, breakdown but we'll get into that but the mavericks not out of anything they do just out of the fact that the west is so stacked there's no guarantee that that pick conveys this year you know they they, they might be waiting another year or two to get that one but they've also got a pick from cleveland if it's uh, 11 through 30 comes to them that one's top 10 protected that's got a couple more years of protection on it and then then it turns into second rounder so the hawks are you know kind of sitting there and that's obviously a long to go along with their own first-round pick, which they own. So, so it'll be interesting. So, yeah, you know, for, for me, we'll talk a lot more about Luka Doncic when we get to the Mavericks podcast. But I think, you know, you and I are – we love that kid, and we're both convinced he's going to be really, really good. So I think what's going to have to happen is it's going to be um, – in a, you know, mindset of young plus the pick are going to have to outplay Doncic in some extent, but I'm going to say the same thing as you pump the brakes. Don't make any decisions, you know, this year, because we don't know, you know, I mean, this guy's going to be figuring out, you're exactly right. He's very small right now. That's I bet we see him as much as any other player with a completely different body a year from now, Mm -hmm. um, after he's been in the NBA and it's, you know, this is it, this is life. Now this is the full-time job. So, you know, and there'll be a lot more said about Trey young. I think, you know, for me, I like him. I, I'm not as down on him as some people seem to get. I think, you know, I think he's still going to be a good quality NBA point guard, probably an above average starter. Uh, by the time it's all said and done for him, it just might take a couple of years to get there. So let's let's go into there. Let's stay with the draft then. Let's talk about uh, Kevin Herter and Omari Spellman. They were the other two players the Hawks added at the draft. So Kevin Herter, interesting, he did not play at all in summer league. He, he had an injured wrist, I believe it was, um, yeah. that held him out of summer league. But he's a guy two years at the University of Maryland, two-year starter there. He I believe he declared um, – no, he did not end up declaring in 2017. He just went straight back to school, but mm-hmm. you know, improved across the board. Really improved as a shooter, um, big time in, in his second year. He's about six foot seven, so he's a, a two three uh, type player wing. As more and more teams are just transitioning away from the, the old traditional uh, shooting guard and small forward designations, he's also a pretty good playmaker. Uh, Averaged three and three point four assists per game in his sophomore year at Maryland, which is actually pretty good for a non-point guard in the NCAA. Shot 42% from three, 50% overall from the floor. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on Kevin Herter's game?
0: Uh, obviously you just said phenomenal shooter. Um, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for that Trey Young Herder to be that kind of n- not Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, but as close as you can get to, to that, you know, let's get perimeter shooting out there. The thing with Herter is – how well is he going to be able to come back um, from the right wrist injury? Because you've got Tyler Dorsey there. Now, you know, I know a lot of people are kind of 50-50 on Tyler Dorsey. Um, but he has the NBA experience over Herder. And then on top of that, Herter's, you know, basically build is kind of thin right now. So I don't know that he's going to be able to take the pounding of an 82-game season, you know, right away either. So he's going to have to put on strength. He's going to have to obviously get better. On the defensive side of the ball, but his skill set shooting the ball, he's definitely going to see some time in and out of the rotation. Is this going to depend on, you know, is Tyler Dorsey going to take, you know, take the reins of the backup shooting guard spot, or is Herter going to be able to have a phenomenal shooting display throughout camp and preseason and just go ahead and win out the outright backup shooting guard spot?
2: Yeah. Well, and, you know, not only is he competing against, um, uh, Dorsey for the mm-hmm. the backup role, but also DeAndre Bembry's still there. Yeah. That's a guy the Hawks still like. They they you know made an investment of a first round pick in him. He's a guy who's been in and out. Really did not have much of a sophomore year due to injuries and some personal reasons. And then in the starting lineup, obviously Torian Prince is kind of entrenched, and then Kent Bazemore, who right. you know, well I think at this point we all agree Kent Bazemore is probably a little overpaid for his role, and they probably love to move on from him if they could, but in the end, he's still an NBA veteran who's not he's not grossly overpaid and it's not like he can't play at all. So so it's gonna be a little tough. I, I think he I think the Hawks, right, they're gonna take it slow with Herder. They're not gonna rush him back by any means. But then I think what you're gonna ultimately see is this year might be a little bit more of a throwaway year for him just because they've got all these other guys and he is still he doesn't even turn 20 until a month from now in late August. So he's pretty, pretty young too for, for his uh, class. So, you know, I, I like him enough where I, I you know, did they, they he was a mid round draft pick or actually late teens, 19, <coughs> excuse me. And he is, um, you know, when you're going there, you're kind of, you know, you're looking for upside. I, I think they got that. And this right. guy, as you said, Pete, everybody's always looking for shooters. and He at least fills that role.
0: Right. And then you, <clears throat> you mentioned, um, do you want to go ahead and go into Spellman since you? Yeah, uh, let's go Hunter? ahead and go
2: into Spellman. Give your thoughts on Spellman because I'm going to pull up, pull up, uh, his stat line from Summer
0: League. Uh, well, actually I was going to say in Summer League, he had, he kind of mixed it up because his, his shot was a little bit, I don't know if it was, <laughs> you know, he hadn't played in a little while, so it was kind of flat. <laughs> yeah. Or, but that's, that's kind of his serious. forte is, is he's able to, to shoot from the outside. So he kind of mixed it up on the offensive end, you know, made a lot of effort plays. Um, was able to kind of go at bigger players, which was good to see that he can kind of go inside a little bit, get some rebounds and and things like that. Um, It's going to be kind of interesting if he plays. I don't know if he's going to play power forward. I would project because of having Alex Lynn, he's probably going to play more of the power forward spot than center. But, you know, it'll be interesting to kind of see if he can get a shot back. If he's able to stretch the floor, um, like he did at uh, Villanova, I think he'll actually get some some spot minutes in and out of the rotation. I don't think he'll be a consistent piece in the rotation throughout you know the season. Maybe right away, but later on in the season, he can kind of work his way in.
2: Yeah, and well, and it's interesting what you said about about kind
0: of the position right now. Right,
2: John Collins is this clear cut starter, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Collins later in the show. But Spellman, there's nobody else. They don't have another real four on the roster. It's Collins and Spellman and that's it. There there's nobody else. It's you know, yeah, Tori and Prince could slide up and definitely play some four and I would expect him to. Um, you know, but but Herter's too slight. You can't do that with him. Uh, Justin Anderson, he you know, he probably maybe you could pull off. You know, especially against backup fours. He could probably play a little bit of the four. But Deadman's not gonna slide over to the four. Uh Alex Len's not gonna I know Alex Len that Sons a couple years ago when they were two world that was why (laughs) yeah you know where i'm going when they're playing chandler and len together whatever that was you know that's a mess so that's not a you know realistic thing and then that really kind of leaves miles Plumley, and i think we all prefer to not see too many Plumley minutes so yeah yeah, so i think that 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 role is open for spellman to go grab it uh out of anybody and i I think that's likely what's going to happen i think you know if i had to look at it today i'd say collins you know probably Thirty to thirty-five minutes a game, and then you're looking at Spellman for somewhere between fifteen and twenty, and that's your there. There's your minutes at the four. Um, you said you said about his range. Uh, he, he surprised me um, with how willing he was to shoot it. But you you hit it exactly right with his jump shot. So flat, like it's yeah. got no arc on it. Right. It's almost <laughs> like he's just. It, it's funny. It's like you know you you know from playing that you know the coach would get it up. You know, get it up. You know, and I'd hear that all the time myself. You know, as a I was I'm honestly much smaller than you, and my whole game was based around being able to shoot. But it was uh it was interesting. So it was um, you know, only twenty six percent. So obviously he's gonna figure that out. But but he was a better shooter than that in college. But what I liked was another thing you mentioned, he was, he was willing to get down there and mix it up. Seven rebounds a game in summer league, blocked uh, one shot a night, you know, really did some things. He's got pretty good bulk down inside, so he's not going to get pushed around and showed off his spot. So, you know, and again, this guy's the 30th pick in the draft, so I don't know how much you're really you're know, looking for out of him, uh, right. you know, in his rookie season, but you're you're going to be, you know, it's it's if he's in there and he's playing meaningful rotation minutes by the end of the year, I think you're pretty happy. So right. uh, anything else on the, on the three rookies or on the draft trade, or do you want to move on to their next big trade, maybe?
0: right, uh, let's just go ahead and move on to the. All group. right, let's do
2: it. So the next big one, this was the the big uh Carmelo Anthony acquisition and Carmelo Anthony will play exactly as many minutes for the Hawks this year as Pete and I will combined and that is 0. Um I don't know, Pete. Maybe, maybe you're going to sneak in there and get in there. For nah, a minute, my so. knees don't, don't hold up. <laughs> no, but more. uh so just the particulars on the trade, it was Mike Muscala and Dennis Schroeder sent out Muscala gets goes to the Philadelphia 76ers. Dennis Schroeder goes to the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Hawks get Justin Anderson from the 76ers. Carmelo Anthony, again, he will be waived. And then they get a protected 2022 uh, first from Oklahoma City. And that is the reason why it's far out there is Oklahoma City owes a pick to Orlando via Philadelphia from, uh, you know, that was actually the Jeremy Grant trade back in the day, and then uh, Philly flipped it to Orlando for the rights to um, uh, Andes um who I know Philly fans keep saying, like, this guy's never going to play. We wasted a pick. But anyway, so 2022 is the first time. So it is protected 1 through 14 in 2022. And then if it doesn't deliver, it goes right into becoming second-round picks. Uh, but they're going to be a little later. It'll be 2024 and 2025 second round pick, So only one year of protection there. So the Hawks are obviously hoping uh, Oklahoma city will stay at least a decently good team uh, playoff type team so that they can get that pick in 2022. And, you know, we'll see it's, uh, I always like to say three, four years in the NBA is a lifetime. So we don't know what it'll be, but that's what it is. The Hawks are getting a pick pick, or at least a couple of seconds for basically eating Carmelo, Anthony's uh, trade. But what's really interesting here. So let's, so the pick is what it is. And Muscala going out. I like Mike Muscala. We'll talk a lot more about him on the Philadelphia podcast. i Think he's going to help the Sixers a lot, mm-hmm. but he's he's extraneous on the Hawks. You, you don't need a guy like him. You don't need good backup bigs, right? right? It, yeah, right. It's just I mean, there's there's well, what's he going to do for you there? He's not young enough to be a part of your real future core, um, and he's not. uh you know, but he's not such a veteran that he's going to be – like why they sent Carter was to be the locker room influence. He's not that either. So it really is – you know, he, he's extraneous. It's like I'm always reminded in baseball they always talk about a closer on a bad team is like one of the most useless things you can have because right. trade that guy and get something for him because if you're going to lose games anyway, lose games. So Muscala goes – but Dennis Schroeder, that's the interesting part of this trade. They yeah. are basically – the writing was on the wall when they drafted Trey Young. Now they yep. said all the right things that oh they can play together, but every team says that about two point guards. Yeah, right? that's a, like
0: <laughs> that's the famous thing when somebody gets right? drafted like yeah. underneath a, a kind of a de facto starter. It's always they can play together. It's like all right, sure. yeah, that's like the biggest
2: lie every team ever tells. You know, and it's always if it's a point guard or a center, right? Because right. those are the two positions you rarely have two on the floor of. Um, but so yeah, so we all kind of knew. I thought it was kind of this is for me a, just a brilliant trade for the hawks because mm-hmm. anthony whatever right who it's just money so they're they're helping out but they got out of two not beyond this season if, if i'm looking at it correctly it's two more years of schroeder yeah two more years right. at 15 and a half million so the hawks are sitting now really this trades is as much about the future they're sitting at my my latest round of projections. I had him at just shy of forty-seven million in cap space in twenty nineteen, and that's obviously more than enough to get at least one max guy, or you spread that out a bunch of uh, amongst a bunch of guys, and that's really not doable if you have Schroeder sitting there at fifteen and a half million on top of having Trey Young on the roster already. So, so I think you know, for my money, this is it was time. People who've listened to the show in the past know I don't like Dennis Schroeder. I don't like point guards who can't shoot. And then once he started kind of becoming a locker room problem, that was when I was really out. That's when I really checked out and said I'm
0: done. That's the biggest thing because you have to look at it. Common sense tells you if you drafted, you know, well, it's a different regime. But Mm -hmm. you draft Trey Young, you don't want Dennis Schroeder to be in his ear constantly, you know, if it's negative or anything like that. So you don't want anything to do with that locker room distraction. And then he's had some on-the-court things where he's got into it with some different players I went to a game um it was the end of last season. they played the Detroit Pistons. It was after the Blake Griffin trade. him and Blake Griffin kind of gotten a little uh I wouldn't say scuffle, but basically Griffin kind of walked past him and Schroeder kind of bumped him in uh, Griffin in the chest and they got in a jaw and match and it was like, come on, dude, like you know the, there's no time for that. and then you know hearing all of the various stories of his immaturity, it's like, okay, you kind of have gone as far as you can on the court cuz it doesn't look like he's getting better, like he's progressing on the court, and he had all the chances in the world as a starter in in Atlanta after they moved FT. Yeah. So then you add not improving on the court to locker room distraction, the, you know, battery case that he has pending, you know, outside of the NBA, that's a big risk there. So all those things, Atlanta doesn't want that with a young, you know, basically they're they're looking at you know, Young, Trey Young, and John Collins, kind of as their cornerstone, maybe franchise players for the future. You don't want distractions like Schroeder around. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, and then you know, and then when you look at it conversely. What did they also do? They brought in Jeremy Lin, who we'll talk about him a little bit more. Mm -hmm. We bring in him because he's the kind of guy you want in that backup mentor role. Exactly. He he did that for Kemba Walker already. He was, you know, even though he was hurt, you know, all things were really good about his influence on the Brooklyn Nets last season. So that's the kind of guy, you know, I think you want around. And I think this is a thing now, again, not to keep saying, you know, we'll talk about this guy on his new team, but we will – I do think Schroeder has a chance to be pretty good in OKC. I think they're gonna plug him in and say be Reggie Jackson for us. You know, go out there and try and score the ball off the bench. And I think that's probably his best role in the league. I don't think he's a starting point guard, you know, you know, at all. I think you know, he can can succeed in that role, but it wasn't he wasn't gonna do that in Atlanta behind a rookie when that had been his job. That wasn't gonna happen.
0: Right, a gunner off the court is is perfect for him, and if he gets out of line, Westbrook's going to check him real quick and exactly and put him back in. So yeah, that's and kind then of, you
2: got Paul George. Yeah, they've got right. a Stephen Adams. You've got enough good, solid veteran guys who are going right. to say, "See you later." So, uh, let's talk about Justin Anderson because I know you have a little bit of familiarity for, <laughs> for any new yeah. listeners or those who need a reminder. Pete is uh, probably closely identified as a Sixers fan, right? That's fair to <laughs> say. Oh, yeah. um you know so did, but lives in atlanta um but you know is is a uh sixers guy from from back in the day so um yep. you know lived through the 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 Iverson years, and then the process oh, yeah. years, and you know, both. So, so well, through the Anderson, Barkley years, going all the way forward. <laughs> that's so, true. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. now, now we look old. Pete. We, oh we look yeah, cool that's and young right. for the kids out there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Pete and I are both old and washed. So it's yeah. uh, You know, we're 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 '80s, '90s NBA guys too. So, yep. but we're not going to tell you it was better back then because I think we both know better than to say that. Yeah. But it's uh, you know, Justin Anderson coming into the Hawks. This is. Uh, Hey, if this was a uh, wooden still there and you had the whole Hawks university thing going on and, you know, coach up these wings, I'd be a lot more excited about it than I am mm-hmm. now. Uh, but you know, it's, the only thing I worry about now is that now you've got, we talked about it a little bit before when talking about Herder, you have got Prince and Bazemore and Bembry and Herder and now Anderson. You know, maybe if Herder's not ready, Anderson steps into playing that kind of bigger wing spot. But, but I know you had a chance to see him a little bit with Philly uh, after they acquired him a couple years ago. What are your thoughts on Justin Anderson?
0: Well, Looking at kind of the last two seasons with him, he looked like he gained a little bit of weight.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: That contributed to, I think, the injuries. Not being able to stay healthy on the court, not being able to get consistency is what, you know, hurt him. He's a streaky shooter, and that's where he's got to improve. I know he's working with Drew Hanlon, who I'm a huge fan of, well before, you know, it came out about Joel Embiid and Mark L. Fultz and all of that stuff. Well before that, I was on the, you know, Hanlon, um, bandwagon yeah if those but, of you who don't know drew hamlin and i'm gonna interrupt here if you hear that one of the players
2: on your team is working out with drew hamlin it's 100 a good thing it's a great thing this guy is the best skills trainer in you know the nba who doesn't work for a team themselves um he you know a couple of his clients and then a very um famous client of his is jason tatum uh but he's also got bradley beal i mean he's got i don't know a couple hundred guys at this point you know, so if you ever hear, you know, this guy went to work with Drew Hamlin, that's the guy's coming back a better player than what he was before.
0: Absolutely. And I, I think it's going to help Justin Anderson there from a mental standpoint, because obviously with the injuries that kind of puts a little, um, you know, damper on your, on your focus, as far as preparing mentally on the court. And then just picking your spots on the floor is what Justin Anderson is going to have to do better to get playing time because, now you have, like you said, Kevin Herter, you've got a you know, DeAndre Bembry who's gonna be looking to get healthy himself and looking for minutes. You know, Torian Prince is gonna get a bulk of the minutes there, so there's not gonna be a ton of backup minutes unless Justin Anderson maybe slides over to the four in a small ball roll just, you know, for some minutes. But I do like that Lloyd Pierce, coming from a development background, is the head coach. So I think that he'll give Justin Anderson a shot in training camp in the preseason to win. The backup role, I just don't know, just based on past experience, if Justin Anderson is going to stay healthy and focused enough to take that role.
2: No, that's a great point. And, and he may get it early on, right? With the fact mm-hmm. that uh, Herter, we don't know how ready he's going to be, right. right? At the beginning of training camp and the beginning of the season. So he could win at My Here's two things that, that frustrate, me, frustrate me with Justin Anderson. First is, and this is just a personal thing, I cannot remember that he's a lefty. So every time he shoots the jumper, I'm like, boy, what is he doing? I'm like, oh, that's already He's lefty. So that that always throws me off. But second is, I watched a lot of the Philly uh, team last year. This guy dribbles out of more open corner threes and into these awful baseline leaners and floaters and pull-ups than anybody I've ever seen. And that's something that I think we'll see Hanlon kind of beat out of his game and right. say, we're going to knock this off. Uh, you know, at this point, it's it's kind of just an upside play for the Hawks. If you get something in them, great. It's not, you know, you, you may, you may not. He's in the last year of his rookie scale this season. Be a restricted free agent this summer if it works out and the Hawks want to go that way. So, you know, we'll see. I kind of tend to look at it as this is a, uh, a no-risk, potentially medium reward, I guess is how I would put it. There's just, you know, chances are he's not – you know, he's probably not going to blossom into too much, especially just with the rotation concerns and all the other guys around that around him. There, I just don't know if there'll be enough minutes uh, for right. him to get there. So, all right, then the Hawks made one other big trade where we'll um, only really talk about this from from their side of it because they didn't send anything out for this guy. They sent out the draft rates to Isaiah. I think you say Cordinier. Uh, my, right. my French pronunciations are brutal, so you know, deal with that. On that draft rates to, to him, who knows if he'll ever come over to the NBA or not. In a conditional second rounder for Jeremy Lin of the Brooklyn Nets, they also got the Nets 2025 second round pick, as well as the right to swap picks with the Nets in 2023. This was Brooklyn kind of clearing out some cap space to make some other moves that they wanted to make. Uh, acquiring Dwight Howard and then doing some of their other things which we'll talk more about on their side on their show but for the Hawks they, they basically said this is Trey Young's team and we want a veteran backup behind him. and they wouldn't give that cap space uh, by virtue of acquiring Jeremy, Jeremy Lynn and Trey. As long as Jeremy Lynn is healthy which all reports are he should be back and ready to go this year I think this is a great move because it's probably only a one year thing.
0: Right exactly. Let me let me just touch on Corden just yeah, go ahead, yeah, absolutely. Just because that's kind of what we we touch on the obscure yep. guys. So, um, Woj obviously threw out. He said not likely to ever come over, yep. which you know from the Atlanta side it makes sense because they have you know obviously herder and they you know have some guys there that they like a little bit better. Well, with Cordinier, the the Nets saw something that they liked, but the downside is is Cordinier had surgery to both of his knees. Um, to cure tendinitis in it. He yep. missed all of last season in the French League. Um, he's more of a project type, but he can, you know, shoot the ball, you know, a little bit, you know, kind of good shot-making skills, but nothing that kind of stands out across the board. So it'll be interesting if the Nets, you know, they kind of like that international flavor if they actually end up bringing him over. But I just wanted to touch on on him just quickly just so we can kind of get that information out there about no, him and that, for an obscure guy.
2: And, and that's an absolutely good point too, because this guy's only twenty one years old, too. This right. is not one of these thirty-three year old guys who's wrapping up the end of his overseas career we're definitely never gonna see him. This guy's still pretty young. So so you're you're right. We could definitely see him. It would not uh would not stun me if uh if at some point, you know, whether it's the, the Nets or some other team you know, brings him over because he's still young enough. He's about six foot five or so, um, you know. So we'll, we'll see. But no, that's a good point. It's uh, you know, sometimes we do this. We we say these guys are never coming when like, we write them off a little too early when they're kids. Right. You
0: know, but so. then <clears throat> looking at Jeremy Lin, um, I actually like the move because first and foremost, we you touched on it just a little bit ago when we were talking about Schroeder, his professionalism, just how he carries himself on and off the court. Is far and above what you want as a mentor for Trey Young because this is a guy that couldn't even get past security as an NBA player because they thought he wasn't <laughs> yeah. even a, a real player. You know, back when he was you know in Golden State, and then it happened again with the Knicks. Happened again Sleeping on Brooklyn. a Brooklyn, couch in New York. Yeah, yeah. it's it's crazy. <laughs> then some uh, some negative racial racial things were said off the court, and he handled it very well in a yep. letter, um, very professional like. Then you look at his on-the-court um, ability, and he can score. He can spread the floor. He can get assists. He's not the Schroeder type where he's basically a line-drive type player. He's the opposite of that. Yeah. you know He's you know able to be herky-jerky. He can pull up, shoot. He can get to the basket and finish. The only thing is is that the injury that he had last season, how long is it going to take him to get fully healthy back on the court and able to contribute if he's already healthy and it's training camp i think you know why not start him and ease Trey Young in with you know some of the backups and then you know let him mentor Trey Young for you know say 15 20 games and then you hand it over to to Trey Young and and he's in his e- ear constantly um, throughout the season but i like Jeremy Lin for for the Hawks
2: yeah, I do too. You know, it's
0: one thing is Lynn's never been a really good defender, but he's always been at
2: least a competitive one. And my worry now is can he even be that? But as a backup, he'll he'll be fine. You know, and I think I, I would be surprised if he's in Atlanta much past this season. And it's another thing is let's say he looks pretty good and is, you know, healthy and moving well. This is a guy that teams are always looking for another point guard when you get to the to the trade deadline, and they could very easily flip him in a deal for, you know, maybe get another small asset um, back for him, either a young player or a draft pick or something like that. So there's really, again, this is another one of those, there's really no downside to this because if he doesn't work out, then you just start cycling through, you know, 10-day guys and, you know, any you know random veterans, you know, that you want to bring in to take a look at for the backup because it's a backup point guard on what's very likely to be a very bad team, you know, so you're not, you know, there's there's just not, you know, really anything lost. So, all right, what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break to get uh, some of our sponsors in here, and then we will come right back at you with more of the NBA Front Office show.
3: This podcast is brought to you by ADT. When it comes to something as important as your family safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.
2: And we are back. This is the NBA Front Office Show. We are part of the Almighty Baller Network. I am your host, Keith Smith. I'm joined by my co-host, Pete Toll. We are super excited that you chose to join us and you're hanging in here with us as we review the Atlanta Hawks offseason, which took us all the way up into some transactions that happened today. Again, we're recording this on Wednesday, July 25th. and We are going to get into the rest of what the Hawks did, we've covered each of the three big trades, the Trey Young trade at the draft, the Carmelo Anthony salary uh, dump and pick acquiring, and then the Jeremy Lynn trade, and now we're going to go through the rest of the transactions and get you caught up to where they are, and then we're going to answer some key questions about the Atlanta Hawks going forward into next season, so let's start with, these are going to be a little bit more in order of what they happened, just so we don't miss any, so Tyler Cavanaugh, he was waived, I mentioned at the top of the show, he had a very early, Early guarantee date. Kavanaugh's a guy I know some teams like. He's uh you know kind of an interesting potential stretch four guy, but he's gotta shoot it a lot better if he's ever gonna play that role in the NBA.
0: Yeah, lots of heart and hustle, but kind of was limited to you know, closer to the basket, you know, can kind of knock down a little bit of mid range shots, but not enough that he could stretch the floor. Seventh kind of sixth seventh, you know, in the rotation as a big, in my opinion. Yeah. More of that you know, G League, you know, second tier star than anything long term in the NBA. Yeah, you're going to hear me mention this a lot over the course of the
2: show as we go and into future episodes, if you hang in there with all of them. This idea of what I call 4A players, which is a baseball term, and what it means is it's a guy who's too good for, for the minor leagues, but he's not quite good enough for the major leagues. Right. That's kind of where Kavanaugh fits. He's a guy who he'll, if he's in the G League again next year, he'll dominate in the G League, put up fantastic stats, and then he'll come in and he's exactly what Pete said. He's a he's a break glass in case of emergency, kind of big, all the way at the end of your bench. But, you know, those guys can make, you know, five, six, seven-year careers a lot of times, and Kavanaugh may be able to pull that off. And if nothing else, he has one full year of NBA experience under his belt. The next transaction, kind of uh, sequentially here, chronological order, Dwayne Dedman, uh, exercises player option. I think that one came as a bit of a surprise, at least it did to me. I thought he might opt out and see what he could get because, you know, even in a limited cap space market like what we saw this summer, bigs tend to get paid. But he opted in $7.2 million, so he's on the final year of his contract with the Hawks. Dedman's a guy who he really – Started to show signs with the Orlando Magic a couple years back, and then went and had a really nice year with the Spurs, and now he's had two good years with the, with the Hawks, and he's kind of blossomed into a uh, maybe middle of the pack, bottom third starting center, but he's a legit starting center. Now is how I feel about him. And one thing he's really done with Atlanta is he stretched his range out. See, I'm not going to go crazy and call him a good three-point shooter, but he is not as bad as you may think he is. So did it surprise you, Pete, that he opted in?
0: Um, Not really because he has a chance for the starting role here, and I knew that the the Hawks weren't going to go and sign anybody, you know, upper echelon centers or anything like that. So it kind of made sense from his standpoint to play well this year um in the basically in another starting role um continue to stretch the floor from the corners um and rebound and hustle play good defense be a mentor in the locker room all those good things and then join a contender you know next year um you know and kind of go back maybe to a more you know role player type role if if that's what he chooses to do to chase a chase a championship
2: yeah, you know, and in, in the, here's the thing with Deadman too. It's, it may seem like he hasn't been around very long, and he hasn't. This is going to be his sixth year, so he's probably been around longer than most people think of. But he's also he's already 29 years old uh, right. this season. So, you know, he's a little older um, compared because he got a little bit of a late start there. So he'll be back. You know, he's going to start for the Hawks. And, again, this is another guy. Things are going along good. Yeah. I mentioned teams are always looking for, for uh, backup point guard help. Come the trade deadline. There's two other things they're always looking for: shooting and big men who can play and fill rotation minutes. So the Hawks have have a couple of those that they could uh, definitely move in win and Deadman to teams that need need help there. Hawks waived Isaiah Taylor. Taylor is a he's probably gonna. This is probably what he is. He's just gonna keep bouncing around the NBA, um, catching on with teams, trying to fight his way onto a roster. Maybe can can be a team's third point guard. He's just not really for for my money. He's just not big enough. To, to be a guy who can play uh, regular minutes on a really good team, he did play sixty-seven minutes or sixty-seven games rather for the Hawks last year. About seventeen minutes a game, six point six points and three point one assists. So not awful, but still a little bit more of a scorer than he is a, a true point. And you know, we'll see if he resurfaces somewhere. I don't believe he's caught on overseas anywhere. No, not not else. that I've
0: seen because I've kind of kept a good tracker of of you know all the guards and and with Taylor he needs to be able to shoot the ball from with range to to stick and that's kind of been his thing of he drives to the hole and if he can't get all the way to the rim he tries to pull up from the mid range and it's not a consistent shot and so Mm -hmm. I think that's the question mark there is he going to be able to improve on that but I think he's one of those guys um, Malcolm Delaney being another one we're going to talk about um, down the line here that's more of that Eurocentric game that yeah. can go over there as an Americanized guard. Doesn't really have to play the point guard role. Can play more of the scoring guard role and excel over there.
2: Yeah, and, that, and one of the reasons those guys work overseas is they don't, they play, right, we all love to talk about positionless basketball in the NBA. It's a lot more like that even in, in Europe where the point guard doesn't have the ball all the time. You know they're not gonna pound it and pound it and pound it. They're gonna move it, and that's where Delaney was so successful because he's a smart, good, smart ball mover who can also score points. He's just limited against the NBA guys in, in his ability to do that. And that's where Taylor is as well. And you hit the nail on the head with his shooting. He only took a little over one three per game and only shot 25 percent. So you know it's it is just not good enough uh, for an NBA point guard. To, to be there. Uh, next move, Damian Lee. He was one of their kind of late signees uh, last year. As the Hawks were, as bad teams do tend to do and really should do, So they come through a lot of guys on 10-day contracts and see if someone sticks. Lee stuck for the rest of the year, but he's now uh, moved on. He signed a two-way contract with the Golden State Warriors. These two-way guys, they're 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 fine, but the Hawks aren't losing anything there because they, they already replaced. Uh, there are two ways with guys we'll talk about here in a couple of minutes, Jalen Adams and Alex Poythras. So that'll be, you know, the direction they're going, so not much loss there. Jalen Morris was waived. He's another guard that they picked up. He's about six foot five or so. They picked him up. He he was another guy again, like Lee, cycled through late. Now he has signed over in Europe. He has signed with. I'm going to pull it up and tell you here in a second.
0: Torino. Turin, yeah,
2: Fiat Torino, yeah, yeah yep. Fiat Torino. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, so he's going to be over in Italy. Um, and we'll see. You know, he may come back. You're looking really good. Well he's uh, playing
0: with Tony Carr, which yeah. was drafted by the Pelicans yep. in the second round, so that should be interesting. Um, no, no doubt. He couldn't stay he the thing with Morris is he didn't play at a high level college, I believe was it Division Three is where he came out of uh, Malloy, um, yeah, then, I believe it is. And then he made yeah. um made waves in the in the G League. Yeah. Um couldn't stay healthy now I can hurt Hawks, so yeah. yeah, didn't didn't really get a, a big shot there. With with Dame, going back to Damian Lee just real quick. Yeah. Um the connection there with Golden State, obviously he played for Santa Cruz previously. <laughs> I know where you're going with this one. And um, obviously with Steph Curry there, Sidel Curry um, is Steph's sister. He's engaged yep. uh, to her, so that connection there. But uh, the thing with, with Lee, the reason why so many teams kind of, I guess, maybe passed on him per se is the two ACL um, yep. injuries. Um, that and being just a little bit older. But he is a good shooter, so – I think he'll have a chance to to do well in that Golden State season. Yeah, and he's got
2: great size. And, yeah, if anybody's going to make use of him, it'll be the Warriors. He'll they'll probably hit five three-pointers in a finals game at some point or something like that. So, But that would mean he's not on a two-way contract. That would mean they had converted him at some point in the year. Uh, and then Antonius Cleveland. Again, let's continue the theme of kind of wing players who the Hawks brought in and cycled through, signed, and then ultimately waived this offseason. So they waived him. This was a little more recent. Of a move, but he was claimed by the Chicago Bulls. Cleveland's a guy a lot of a lot of teams like. Uh, again, pretty good size for for his position. He's about six foot six or so, and he has pretty good bulk for a uh, you know a two three wing guy. He did. He only got into four games. Another guy who got hurt when he was with the Hawks, so so we didn't see a lot of him in Atlanta. But in Summer League, he was uh, he was not shy. He got his shots up, but he played you know pretty good defense, and I think that's what probably got him attracted to the bulls because when we get into the bulls we'll see if they bring back damon waba or not but i think they're just looking for other wing options they're they're kind of they're big in their point guard rotations are full up so i think the hawks are or excuse me the bulls are now looking for other opportunities there in the wing i don't know if you got quick thoughts on cleveland or not
0: um he had a cup of coffee with with dallas yeah um, before the hawks i mean looked okay but You know, he was kind of one of those guys that excelled in the G League, then came up and didn't do a lot, kind of tried to figure out where he fit the best. Didn't shoot it, you know, exceptionally well. But I think now in Chicago he'll, you know, have a chance because, you know, I will talk about Chicago more, um, obviously, when we do their team preview. But just based on the wing def, if they don't bring back Nawaba, you know, there's a lot of ways they can go with that backup shooting guard position so he might sneak a couple minutes here and there you know throughout the season if things don't work out the way um you know they initially planned with a couple other guys so yeah and if he doesn't
2: the the bulls will just move on from him for a you know relatively minor investment of the waiver claim and whatever guaranteed money he triggers as the year goes on because he is you know he will not become fully guaranteed until you know, much later into the season. So, And then just recently, this was part of the uh, maneuvering to complete the Carmelo Anthony trade. They were announced. Free agents, Malcolm Delaney, and then their two two-way players from last year, Josh Jett and Andrew White. So Delaney, I know I had high hopes for him. I thought he was going to come over, transition, and be a really nice backup point guard. And it just never happened because he didn't shoot the ball well enough uh we we already kind of talked about him as a uh you know good european guard. I think there's a good chance now Delaney heads back overseas and he'll probably make a lot of money and, and be pretty good over there. Yeah, that's you know,
0: that's exactly. And he's more of a shooting guard to me than he is a point guard per se. Uh, more of that shooting guard, you know, in a point guard's body type. Yeah, he's got
2: that size. Yeah, he's got, um, it's right. not super tall, but he's got kind of that, that good, you know, right. kind of thick, strong frame to him. And then they're, then they're, they're two two way guys, Josh Majette and Andrew White. They're, you know, moved on from, from both of them. Would not shock me if those guys pop up somewhere else with a camp deal with a team. Majette's kind of a, uh, you know, just more your combo-ish guard off the bench, and then White's a you know true wing with good size, six foot seven. He was a pretty good shooter, but White was a little lost on you know playing NBA defense because he he lived in the zone. Um, in Syracuse, I believe was where he went. If I have that all correct, and that's just you know really tough. Those guys don't you know sometimes they don't ever adjust, and that's you know really hard.
0: Well, with Majid, I think he is kind of that heady tight that could latch on in an emergency role as that third string guard because he can initiate the offense, keep turnovers down. But I just don't know that he has enough quickness and shooting to stick in the NBA. And then White, I liked some of the flashes that I saw, you know, watching the Hawks here locally. But it wasn't enough to be, you know, kind of that guy where it's like, all right, let's give him another chance. And that's exactly the Hawks were like, I don't think we saw enough to – to say, let's pull the trigger on another two-way deal. So probably back to the G League for for him, and then Majet made a career out of being in the G League. So that wouldn't shock me if he went back there until he can latch on somewhere else.
2: Yeah, and I think you're right on the kind of the, the almost emergency guy where he he could grab a 10-day contract if a team's short of a point guard, bring him up, throw him you know 10 minutes a game off the bench. He's probably not going to hurt you, but he's probably not going to do much to help you. Either there's just not a lot of upside there. So let's talk about the two guys that they replaced on the two-way deals. So Jalen Adams is one of the guys who's coming in. He had a uh, kind of interesting path. He got pumped a little bit by his boy Woj because he uh, went to Woj's alma mater of uh, Saint Bonaventure. So so he got pumped up a little bit there. But he's you know big bigger point guard. uh, I guess is the best way to put it. six, Six two, so he's not huge. But he's a pretty good size. At the point, he is a pretty good playmaker. Uh, was you know one of the uh, better assist guys in college the last couple of years. Uh, last three years, averaged over five assists per game, and he's a pretty good scorer. Decent shooter from from outside as well as you know getting to to the bucket. So I think this is a play for the Hawks. Of so right now, it's it's young and Lin. As the two point guards, and maybe Dorsey can swing over there a little bit, but probably not. He's a little more of a shooter. Uh, he doesn't pass. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You're, <laughs> that's the uh, he, he could maybe play a little of the uh, Jordan Clarkson point guard. Game, yeah, you know, yeah. So, there you go. Yeah, you know, uh, where it's a uh, yeah. I'm not giving it up. I'm just going to fire. Uh, but you know, Adams is is a guy who I think has a chance to at least early on before the the. The G-League season starts. So how it works with the two-way guys is you can have them up with the NBA team as much as you want before the G-League season starts and then after it starts is they only get 45 days in the NBA so that's really important to note it's days so it's practice travel all that stuff counts there was a lot of teams last year who are doing things like all right you can't come in and practice with the team you gotta come in and work out on your own so we don't have to count la clippers (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly the clippers exactly you know or uh all right we're gonna fly you you can't fly with the team but you'll fly there the day of the game you know on a first class ticket on a you know commercial flight kind of thing so it's just you know one of those things uh you know, kind of playing games. And that's the, the two-way contracts. We'll spend some time talking about them in a later episode when we're not so team-centric. Just there's some tweaks that need to happen to make those work better. But back to it, we could see, especially if uh, they don't want to push Jeremy Lin too early on exactly. in the season. wouldn't surprise me if Adams is up until the G League season gets cranked up and going if he's up with the Hawks and actually playing minutes.
0: I think I think the same because Majet kind of played that role last year with yep. some injuries. I think he'll slide right into that same type of role. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And then then the other guy, Alex Boithers, I know you know he was with the Sixers a couple years ago, and then he spent most of last season with the Indiana Pacers. This is a guy, I think, this is the kind of guy who keeps getting chances in the NBA because he's got good athleticism, he's got really good size. For his position, he's really more of a... uh, uh, a three-four-ish kind of guy, um, you know, not not really a pure four. Probably could defend some of the bigger twos, though. In the league, it's not, hes probably not going to hang with the real quick, uh, smaller twos. But the but the bigger guys, the guys who like to muscle the ball, so he's going to keep getting chances. So he'll be, you know, there there with the Hawks. And I just I don't know if I see it unless he really starts playing the four, because I don't know that I see a path for him to playing time. Just with the, another number of guys I have that can.
0: Player that's right. I think he's going to have to play at the four. And based on his game, he's athletic enough that he could, you know, play the four because in transition is where he excels. He's got that 6'11 wingspan. So defensively, you know, might be able to hold his own. But that shot is awful. Oh,
2: yeah. It's bad.
0: Man, it's bad. (laughs) Yeah. he's, He's a dribble drive type player anyway. Yeah. And then the question about his day to day motor, um, you know, just from where he was in college. I think it improved a lot last year yep. um, with Fort Wayne, you know, and then up with the Pacers and, um, but still maybe some question marks there, but why not? If you're the Hawks, take a chance and, and see what happens. And, and, you
2: know, Poitras is one of these guys, this is kind of cautionary tale of you don't want to be the seventh guy on Kentucky because then you're the seventh guy on Kentucky. You just kind of get lost. Right. That's what happened to him. He was, a, you know, he kind of went there, and then he got swept up and lost within all the other great players who, who cycle through there. So if you're not, you know, one of those top three, four, five guys, you're you're going to be, you know, kind of in trouble. And that, you know, those guys just get kind of lost, and they they'll get drafted because they have that good kind of pedigree coming from there. But it's just it's hard to stand out when you're basically playing on the equivalent of a of a all high school all star team you know, in you know, one of these college teams. So that's there's something to watch for. And then their last two, two additions, these are, you know, fresh uh, agreed to today. So Vince Carter is going to go to the Atlanta Hawks. I saw a lot of people like, why? What's he doing? Well, well, one is teams aren't really beating Vince Carter's door down to give him a job at this point in his career. And I'll tell you, talking to a lot of folks with the Sacramento Kings, players, coaches, front office people, they loved what he brought to them last year. You're really professional. What did we just spend a lot of time talking about? This team has a ton of young wings. Well, there's probably nobody better at this point in the league it is, that can still be in the gym with them every day that's going to teach them how to be professionals and how to prepare and how to get ready than, than Vince Carter. You know, it's, you know, know, it's This is one of those things where this is not going to matter one bit on the court, but on the practice court... In the locker room, how to be grown-ups, how to be professional, this is where this type of signing will pay off.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's basically all you're really looking at is the locker room voice. He may play five minutes here, ten games where he doesn't play, you know, another couple minutes here, but I wouldn't count on him to be anything more than that. But, you know, the professionalism in the locker room is the most important.
2: Yep, and then their other signee is Daniel Hamilton. He's coming over. He was with the Oklahoma City Thunder last year. So the Thunder Thunder drafted Hamilton actually back in two thousand and sixteen. And then it's it's a very odd kind of sequence here that they, they then renounced his his draft rights, and then they ended up signing him anyway, uh, which is a, a little odd. You don't generally see that, but that's you know kind of how it all went down for Daniel Hamilton, and then. Played in a whopping six games for the Thunder, but this is a guy. He's six foot seven, so again, another big wing. Uh, if you're not catching on to the theme here with the Hawks, is like those wings with good size. But in the the uh, the G League, this guy had kind of an interesting year in the G League. Pete, and I know you want to talk about what he did down there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he kind of was a jack of all trades as far as you know numbers across the board. He could score, grab rebounds, and get assists. But the weird thing is, is he's more of a small forward, kind of shooting guard esque. Yeah. And the OKC Thunder, was it OKC Blue is the. Yeah, OKC Blue, yep. They converted him to a point guard. Yeah. Well, that was a mixed (laughs) bag because he ended up having 4.9 turnovers a game, which is atrocious. And. But yeah, that kind of offsets his 7.8 assists
2: tonight, yeah. which that looks right. really good. You're like, wow, that's actually pretty good. And then you look, look a couple yeah, columns still- over and it's like, whoa. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. And the weird thing is, is they did that and Hamilton is more of a scorer than he is anything else. Yeah. I mean, looking at the Hawks, I mean, take a chance on them yeah. because it's a guaranteed deal. So, I mean, basically you're throwing him in there, you're throwing Justin Anderson, Bembry. You know, Harder, You're throwing all those guys in the in that backup wing role. Um, Tyler Dorsey's another one. All those guys can fight for minutes. See who you can gamble on and and who comes out on top, basically. You know, and and why not? Yeah,
2: this is what Philly
0: did, right? Philly.
2: You know, everybody wants to think that kind the, of the 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 process worked because of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, but when you look at it. The, for me, my mind, the jewel of the process has always been Robert Covington.
0: Exactly. Philly Nobody just, saw that coming exactly, from the Rockets to yeah. the Sixers.
2: You just keep throwing guys, you know, it's it's you you're kinda you know, to to keep this family friendly in case you're listening in the car with little ones or something, you're throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks. And that's, right. you know, in, in the, and it paid off for Philly with Covington. They had on an absolute sweetheart deal all the way up until he finally signed his, his uh, extension last year. But right. but that's what you're trying to do here. You're just kind of throwing stuff against the wall and see, you know, maybe one of them blossoms and works out. And, you know, yeah, that's a lot of that's we both laughed and that's kind of funny five turnovers a game. But he did average 7.8 assists per game, you know, and, uh, and nine rebounds and 16 points. So, I mean, there's there's something there. It's not a complete, uh, you know, this guy can't play at all. You know, and last year, I think what gave them the confidence to kind of try this, you know, quote-unquote wacky experiment was the average four and a half assists a game. You know, last year down in the G League. So this one's, you know, why not, right? You said it is this is what you should be doing. This is where you should be, you know, kind of trying these things. So, all right, what we want to do now is, Pete, I'm going to ask, uh, Um, 10 questions to close out the podcast. Um, Some of these are a little easier. Some of these are not. um, Some of these you're going to have to think a little bit, okay? Uh, So the first one is, what would you project opening night as the Atlanta Hawks starting
1: five?
0: Uh, Center, Dwayne Dedman, power forward, John Collins, small forward, Torian Prince, shooting guard, Kent Bazemore. Then at point guard, I think they start out with Jeremy Lin, I put an asterisk next to that because that's if he's fully healthy in yeah. training camp. If he's not, then of course it'll be Trey Young. But I think they ease Young in um, to the season. All right, season. so
2: that so that's the only one we'll differ on. I have the first four same as you. I think those are pretty much locks marring an injury. And then I have Young. I think they'll start him right out of the gate. I think they they are going to hand in that job. Now it may be he may start and only play twenty five minutes a game. Uh, for the first you know month or so as Lynn plays a little bit more. But but I do think Young will be the starter uh, right out of the game. All right, so let's move on because it's related. Second question, and I think we kind of talked about this, so we'll probably go through it a little quickly. But but when you have a, a point guard of the future, you have Trey Young. This is your guy. You you were committed to moving Dennis Schroeder and getting him out of there to open up that spot. Did it make sense to trade for Jeremy Lynn?
0: Yes, Because, like I talked about earlier, who better can you get, you know, as far as handling things off the court? Yeah. And now, you know, facing the adversity with injury, you know, struggling to get even on when he was trying to get on to the Golden State Warriors, of course, then blew up with the Linsanity with the Knicks, kind of showing Trey Young, like, hey, you might struggle early, but here's how to overcome that, and here's how to work through those deficiencies Maybe some shooting woes, turnovers, defensive lapses, all those things. And he can say, Hey, look what I was able to turn into, um, you know, and make a career out of.
2: Yeah. All right. So now I'm going to ask the next one because this, this one
0: wasn't a uh,
2: we only talked about it very briefly because this is not an official transaction. So we, we when we did our transaction rundown, we missed it there. But we'll talk about it now is Alex Len has reportedly agreed to a two year contract with the Hawks. Sounds like it's going to be for probably the room exception is what it sounds like. So you've already got Dwayne Dedman there. You probably want to play John Collins some minutes at the five. And then you've got the the other guys behind them there. You've got uh you know Spellman a big man, and then you've got Miles Plumley, I guess, if you wanted to play him. So I'm gonna ask the same kind of question is did it make sense for them to sign Alex Lynn?
0: Um I think if Lynn was going to go somewhere it needed to be the Hawks to re kind of build his his mental approach because Phoenix kind of played him, then they didn't, then they, you know, like you said earlier, tried to experiment with the play him at out of position at power forward. That didn't work. And I think with with Lynn having one of his best seasons last year as far as efficiency goes, I think that's gonna help him going into the to the Hawks that need a more of a, you know, five esque center than, you know, kind of having everybody stretch the floor type role. So I think with his strong rebounding ability, it's gonna help him. It's just a matter of is he gonna come in motivated? Is he gonna come in and say, Okay, I'm coming in motivated enough to take this job from Dwayne Deadman, you know, by season's end. And, you know, if he doesn't, then the Hawks could just cut bait and say, Hey, we we cut our losses. But I think this is a real chance for Alex Lynn to turn it around and I am not the biggest Alex Lynn guy, but I'm gonna give him a shot here because what does he have to lose? Because the Hawks are going to be, you know, terrible anyway. So,
2: yeah, and I, I'm with you. I'm not an Alex Len guy at all either. It doesn't. I don't know that he's ever more than a backup center with the way he plays now. So I'm just not sure. But I kind of look at it as he's this year's Dwayne Dedmon signing, right? Of you know, maybe we can develop this. It's not going to shock me at all if by you know the start of the season, Alex Len's stepping out and taking three pointers. It you know, would, yeah. would not surprise me at all if the Hawks are asking him to do that um, and those kind of things. He's always been a pretty good inside scorer too, so you know he could be there. Maybe they kind of catch lightning in a bottle here and this works out uh, for them. You know whether he's you know, behind Deadman or maybe replaces Deadman if Deadman's traded or something like that, or maybe he's behind him this whole year, starts next year, something there. So it, there's really this is a again this is a no risk potential reward situation with Len uh, in Atlanta. All right, the next one. I'm going to answer this one first, and then I'll let you answer. But I'm stealing the answer first because this is my guy. I love John Collins. I, you know, if you guys want to go back and listen, you know, this past draft, unfortunately, because we're on our little hiatus there, we didn't do it. But two drafts ago, Pete and I broke down every single guy in the draft and talked about every single pick and move. And I loved Collins. I love that the Hawks got him. I think this guy is awesome. He brings, I like when I know a guy's going to be good at something in the NBA. I knew he'd be a good rebounder. Absolutely was convinced he'd be a good rebounder. And I thought his jump shot could be better. And it got better as it went along. He flashed it a lot in summer league. You know, I just think this guy is going to be a, I I think you're looking at a guy in John Collins. This is a 10-year starter at power forward in the NBA, who's only going to continue to get better, especially as he adds range to his jumper and plays a more modern NBA game. And this is, this is how you know he had a good summer. He played two games in Las Vegas after playing two games in the Salt Lake City Summer League. Then he came out to Vegas and played two games, and they immediately shut him down because he was so utterly dominant. 24 points per game, 8.5 rebounds, blocked a shot, Shot 50% from from three on five attempts per game from out there. So this is uh you know pre- pretty big stuff. Seven and seventeen in summer league from, from three after as a rookie sixteen of forty-seven. So he's obviously, you know, stepping out and out in that range. But so I, I guess I, I said I was gonna an answer to a question that I didn't even ask one. I just went on and on about how much I love John Collins. But but where do you see him this year, Pete? Do you think he steps up his game even more?
0: absolutely he's going to step up i think he's going to average at least get about 17 points a game i think he's going to be you know three maybe four years from now you can say he could be an all-star um he's that good i think he's a freak of nature obviously you know rebounds really well i think him and trey young in the kind of pick and roll game with young's ability to kind of pass better than people expect i think he's going to be able to get the ball to collins Collins rolls to the rim and puts one of those ferocious dunks down on people and, and gets the the crowd electric in Atlanta and that's what they need. They need those young guys to to really electrify the crowd and get people to the games. Now, last year I went to what four or five Hawks games. One of the games I can't remember. I was trying to think um, when when you were talking about Collins shooting the threes. Can't remember which one it was pre-game, but he knocked down eleven corner threes in a row, and I was like, man, like he's really extended range and then in the game he ended up knocking down two I think it was like two for three in the game um so really expanding that that range like you said is really going to put a different dynamic because he can pump fake if he doesn't have the three he has the athleticism and speed to get past people yeah. and he's going to throw it down on you
2: yeah and he's pretty good he's a pretty good um two dribble guy too where yeah. you know you, you he's not going to be a you know playmaker but he's you know you give him a couple of dribbles to make something happen he can usually pull that off yeah i think he's just you know, he also maybe has the quickest second jump in the entire NBA. Like he gets right back up there. You know, if it's a you know, loose ball around the rim and you know, rebound and in the tip game, he's gonna get right back after it. So, you know, and I think what's what we're gonna see this year is I think you'll see him and Young work a lot in pick and roll and those lobs that you were kinda of mentioning and getting him the ball, you know, on the on the roll to the rim. Then his teams adjust to that. That's when I think you'll see him start playing some pick and pop games. Where he sits back and takes, you know, some jump shots. So, you know, he's really good. All right, I want to. We've talked a lot about Trey Young on the podcast. Just give me what you think is a fair expectation of him from a stat line this year.
0: Ooh, um, I would say he can come in maybe average fourteen points somewhere in there. I don't know that he's going to shoot at the greatest. So, I don't. I don't know. I think his three point shot will hover maybe around 36 percent or so just because he takes a lot of shots that are kind of they have to be in rhythm shots mm-hmm. so until he gets consistent with being able to step off the dribble and find better shot selection I think it's gonna be fairly low um, I think you're gonna see a surprise and an assist I think he can average you know around five assists or so a game because I think he's gonna he'll realize that hey I might not have the strength to get to the rim right now but I can drive and find guys quick, um, whether it's Prince on the perimeter or, you know, Collins, like I said, in the in the role game, you know, things like that and, and you know, rack up some assists.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I'd go a little lower maybe on the points for me. I think, you know, somewhere 11-12, I think. And then I think uh, shooting-wise, I'm with you. I think he'll struggle some. I think probably under 40% would not surprise me overall. And then probably, you know, yeah, somewhere in that 35, 36 range from three. But assists, I think, will be a little higher. Would not surprise me at all if he's around six, seven assists per game. Or, you know, maybe that comes, maybe that's more of a second half, uh, you know, line for him. So, All right, Torian Prince, we we touched on them very briefly as far as their kind of crowded um, wing. So let's say we're three years down the line with Torian Prince. Is Torian Prince a solid starter or more, if you think he could be more, or is he just a rotation guy? What do you think his future is in the league?
0: I think he's a solid starter. I'm not going to say he's any more than that because I've, I've watched him. He's shown that he can hit the three ball, he can defend, but – is he going to be able to take on a facilitating role when he's not scoring? Because I watched a lot of times um, in the Hawks games, he kind of takes some ill-advised shots at the end to kind of will them. Yeah. you know, that, close the game. Was that, that one where he scored
2: forty or whatever it was, and was just kind of throwing up the craziest stuff and they were all going. Yeah, out.
0: and I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you're not you're not improving your game from you know an overall standpoint, and and so I wonder. I think he's a solid rotation piece, but I would not put him in the echelon of, of I'm excited about John Collins and what I think Trey Young could be. I'm gonna put him in that tier behind that where he has a solid career, but it's not gonna be anything where it blows you away.
2: Yeah, that's that's pretty much where I am. I think if he is your fourth or fifth best guy, you're in pretty good mm-hmm. shape. You know, I right. think, think, think you're you're fine with that. And do you, you you be honest, do you have his player card up right now? anywhere i don't
0: okay uh-uh.
2: what do you think he shot from three last year
0: um based on him what 30 is it uh 37 38% yeah, th-
2: 38 yeah 38.5 you know how many yeah. took 457
0: now see so that <laughs> i don't know because i and the reason i know i remember somewhere in the the high 30s is because uh you know Putting all the stats together, oh sure, I I remember that, but I did not look at the (laughs) attempt. Yeah, that's that blew me away.
2: (laughs) Shoot, yeah. So, but you know, hey, shoot that if you're going to shoot thirty eight and a half percent, that's you know not too bad. And so, you know, the the challenge is he did that, he scored the ball, but he didn't do anything else you know only right. only you know under three assists per game under five rebounds per game so you know that's uh you know but he did he played and started all 82 games too which was a little bit of a surprise uh for me so but yeah i i'm with you i think solid starter you know i don't think he's you know going to be on that all right this is a quick yes or no question and i'm probably answer for both of us but will they miss dennis schroeder at all
0: no, absolutely not. <laughs>
2: All right, we are on the same page there. All right, we talked about the kids at the top of the show. Um, Trey Young, we know, right, we're both, he he will be a starter, whether it's, I think, opening night, you think pretty quick thereafter, and then he's going to be entrenched there. Um, will Kevin Herter or Amari Spellman crack the rot- the regular rotation, let's say, before the last month and a half of the season? Pre-trade deadline. Let's let's call that as kind of our cutoff.
0: Spellman, yes. Herter, I think will be towards the end of the season.
2: Okay, all right, and I can see that. I, again, I think Herter coming off the injury, you know, we'll we'll know. I think if Herter comes off and he is full go right off the bat in training camp, it wouldn't surprise me. But again, we talked. There's a lot of wings on this team, and mm-hmm. they're gonna they're gonna go through a lot of these guys. All right, and then the next to last one. Justin Anderson. So I mentioned he's in the final year of his rookie scale deal. He will be a restricted free agent at the end of the summer, knowing that the Hawks are in a position to have a potentially a whole bunch of cap space uh, next year around you know in July of uh, 2019. Is Justin Anderson a keeper on this team or not?
0: I don't think he is. I mean, he can audition for for other teams. If he has a great season, then play yourself to another team. But even so, even if he has a great season, I don't think he's going to be in the Hawks' plans. Why would he be?
2: Yeah, I, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you on there. We talked about, again, Herder's there. You've got Prince there. You've got Ben exactly. who they still like. You've got a lot of wings on the team, not to mention Tyler Dorsey, who, you know, I, I don't know if Tyler Dorsey's ever going to be anything but a gunner off the bench, but but yeah. we'll see. All right, so we're going to close it, Pete, with the Atlanta Hawks. Up, down, or neutral as compared to they were a year ago,
0: today. All right, I kind of have this split into two things. Sure. Down record wise, obviously. Yeah. Um, they're going to lose a lot of games. I would be shocked if they cracked more than twenty two games, uh, you know, in the winning, in the win column. Up because of the potential of the young guys and Collins, and I just I like Trey Young. Now, obviously, I like Luka Doncic the best. As far as a guard prospect, but I think Young can do some things more than everybody clowned him in in the what was it the Sacramento League? Uh, what was that even called? Was it the Sacramento? Uh, league, California the California class. California, yeah, California class. No, but I'm they, sorry, they played in the Salt Lake City League, right? Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. whichever yeah. I can't remember. Which the non-Vegas the one summer in. summer league. Yeah, the <laughs> lo- the non-Vegas one. Yeah, they everybody was clowning him and saying, "Oh, he's not going to be anything," and look how bad he is, and and. It's going to be a learning curve, yeah. but I think with with him and, and just kind of the way he carries himself, he shakes it off like all shooters do. Like, all right, I missed five in a row, but I'm going to hit my next five. Yeah. And just kind of the way he has that swagger on the court and off the court, I think he's going to be okay. And so with that, the potential for the next – you know, five years down the road, I think I've got them up. So that's why I said up.
2: Yeah, and that's basically where I am as well. As I think, I think they, I think there's a pretty good chance this is the worst team in the league next absolutely, year, absolutely by um, far. But you know what's funny is they'll be terrible. But I'm going to find myself watching them quite a bit because I like so oh, many yeah. of their young kids. You know, yeah. so I think they're going to be you know, really, really bad. And I, th- you know, what I think they may be one of those teams that they're kind of. They're really frisky for you know three and a half quarters, and then after that, you know, under six timeout in the fourth quarter, they fall apart, and that's you know they lose you know by fifteen points, you know whatever. It's you know just kind of the way it could go, and then you know maybe every you know four or five games, you know Trey Young gets really hot and they steal a win that they shouldn't have had otherwise. But but long term, I think think the the potential's there. I like what the the Hawks are doing. They've cleared out, you know, they're down to really Plumly and. Bazemore is you know bad contracts and those two they Bazemore he's got a player option for 19 million dollars next year which he is absolutely going to pick up and then Plumley's on the books for 12.5 next year so this is the 1920 season that but then that's it and then now then you're down to nothing really contract wise. it's all rookie scale guys and, you know, young guys, so they're they're in pretty good shape for long-term planning. It's, you know, Travis Schlink had a, you know, kind of couple-year teardown to go on here, and, you know, they could have re-signed Paul Millsap to a big contract and, you know, tried to, you know, continue to be a playoff team, and they maybe would have squeaked in, you know, if he had been there and healthy, and they might have, you know, won, you know, in the low 40s and, you know, made it as a seventh-day seed, but but obviously they have bigger designs than that. They want to be, you know, a long-term, you know, uh, much better than at a high level playoff team down the road. And I think think they've absolutely got the potential, you know, to get there with some of these these kids they've added. So so that's gonna close us out on the Hawks. Pete, we we're back. We did it. Yo, know, yeah. we did a whole show you know we made it through it we pro- probably a little rusty i think for both of us i you know yeah. I, I know i was at least but but we got through it we we did it and, and that's what you guys get on the show you just got an hour and 20 minutes on on the hawks and we talked about uh two-way guys and guys who aren't even on the team anymore and you know guys who are now in europe and guys who should be in europe and those kind of things and that's what you can expect next team up we're gonna do is the boston celtics they uh off season a, a little boring for Boston um they they, they didn't do much but that's kind of how it was positioned and set up for them was to not do too much so so but we'll, we'll get into them and probably a little more long range and then uh, and then we'll just keep plugging along as we get through them where our goal is you know well before training camp we want to get through all 30 teams and uh talk, talk about every single team and get where we're going but barring a you know uh, any more kids i know i'm not having any more pete i don't think you have another one on the way that i know about no, so no. uh you know and uh and, and i don't believe con does unless he's holding out on us and yeah. uh you know and then um you know no more job changes or anything like that so so no. we're we're gonna be back here on a very regular basis i will tell you guys if you're doing kind of long-range planning you're really glad we're back we may take a short break in the very beginning part of august just because con is uh out of the country he's doing some overseas traveling but uh, but we'll see i i might you know have him show me how to splice together the podcast and get it posted you know we'll, we'll go that direction but but anyway we're really glad thanks for hanging in there again thanks for all the kind words you know people sent to us um, you know and uh, all the times people reached out and said hey what happened to the show you know i really enjoyed it i really like the you know perspective you guys give and it and it pete it, it shows me that people really care about more than just the you know LeBron James to the Lakers talk. You know everybody exactly. covers that. You know they I think,
0: think like us, which is yeah. which is good. Yeah, you, you know, know and, so. and
2: the, the league's never been better,
0: right? There, there's right.
2: you know so much interest in the league, and you can actually watch these G League guys now. You can
3: right. you know
2: you can see these you know uh, you know guys do do. I mean, gosh, there was 82 summer league games just out of Las Vegas. You know that they were all on TV, and I mean, I was out there. I mean, people are nuts that they go there and watch that garbage you know but it but it, people love the nba and they you know they love getting wrapped up in in this uh kind of minutia of it so so do we too so you know we're, we're happy you guys hung in there with us where we promise we're going to stick in here on a very regular basis and then we'll have some cool plans leading up to the season as far as season previews and the like and talking about you know those kind of back-end roster cuts and where teams go and then obviously we live for the, the trades and transactions of the NBA because this is is the NBA front off show and that's what we're going to talk about. So Pete tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter as we wrap up.
0: You can find me at Pete Toll MBA. So it's P-E-T-E. T-O-A-L-N-B-A.
2: Alright, and you can find me at Keith Smith NBA, You can find me on there, you can find my written work at Real GM as well as Celtics specific coverage at Celtics blog and then again here on the front office show. Thanks again for joining us joining us as we kind of have our comeback episode, that's what we'll call it um, you know, if, 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 we, if we had the money to play the music rights, so we, we, we'd uh, bust a little cool J here, but, but we can't do that because we, we don't on that kind of budget, so, uh, but you know, we're we're thrilled to, to be back with you again. This is the NBA Front Off Show. We are part of the Almighty Baller Network, and we will be back with you next time.
3: And now, an ad from Dad. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Yeah. Tell you another way to save money don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know? And then you can save up for a, uh, I don't know, a really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in.
1: Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive casualty insurance company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
2: All right, let's pull up over here and drop a line. Are your feet wet? My feet are f-ing wet. Here's the f-ing drain plug. You put the plug in the f-ing drain, right? Uh, it's on the f-ing dock.
1: There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. Ah, f-ing. Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at progressive.com Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates.